Therese Snow is a 22-year industry veteran, colorist, educator, and co-owner of Cassell Salon Collective in Arlington, Virginia. Last time we spoke, we learned all about her journey and how she got to becoming an uh, becoming a salon owner and some of the steps she took along the way. Today, we're going to be talking about what is Cassell Salon? What is the hiring process, expectations, offers, and vision of the future? Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. My name is Robert Hughes, and I'm your host. And today, I'm with Therese Snow. How are, how are you doing, Therese? Doing all right, Robert. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad to be back, and I'm excited to hear about your salon. Um, so why don't we start off by giving just like a very quick recap, not necessarily a recap, but you know, anybody who didn't see your 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 last interview, uh, could you give us a quick little introduction to you and you becoming a salon owner? Yeah, um, my name is Therese Snow. I own Cassell's Salon Collective in Arlington, Virginia. Been in, in the industry 22 years, worked at the Cassell Salon organization for 17 years, and in 2020 became co-owner of this location in Arlington, Virginia. Awesome. And uh, Teresa was also an educator, and uh, she currently teaches for Color, what's it called, Color Space? Color Space, yep. Yeah, color space, uh, traveling around to other salons. Uh, okay, so why don't we tell us a little bit about um, your brand and your and uh, kind of ex- give us an explanation of like how would you describe Cassell Salon Collective? Yeah, so um, you know, as I took over and became co-owner, I wanted to sort of rebrand to bring my stamp on the business, and because it had been in existence for so long in Ohio, it literally celebrating 30 years this year. I really wanted us to, to set us apart because we are different. We're in a different market, but we're a different uh, group of people. So um, yeah, I really th- all have always thought about the salon, especially the one we're in as just stylists, artists who like to come in, who love what they do and go home and work together while they're in, in that building to achieve um a customer experience to express express themselves via their art. Uh, we are semi departmentalized, so when you come in, uh, you you kind of dictate your own path. It's very self driven. What do you want to do? Do you want to do cut and color? Do you just want to style? Do you want to do keratins? Whatever whatever you want to focus on, we want to help you grow in that. And so we have a lot of stylists who only cut, and then a lot of stylists who only color. We have some that do both. So it really um, because of that semi departmentalization. We come together when the guest comes in, the cutter comes over to the colorist, we co-consult, we're creating this kind of look for the guest, we're working in tandem to create a finished product. And so in that sense, being a collective is just a collective of talented artists to achieve a goal. Okay, cool. So if uh, if, if someone's, you know, listening to this and they're saying, I, I like this idea of collective, I like the idea of the teamwork and um, and well, what, what if, um, you know, how do you, what is the hiring process like? Uh, what if someone wanted to join the team? Uh, let's just say like we can have two different, maybe three different profiles. Uh, one is the rising stylist within say a year after uh, graduation or while in school, you could have the seasoned stylist, someone who has been around uh, and been in the in gaming for a while, but they're new to town. And they don't have a clientele. Uh, 
And then what if someone came to you that was like, hey, I'm looking for a home, whether they're coming from a suite or from another salon and they're looking uh, to join your team. Can you tell us a little bit about what those processes would be like? Yeah. um, The thing I like about working in Virginia is that for the rising stylist, there's really two paths. One is an apprenticeship within the salon so they can get their entire schooling done through the salon. It's double the hours, but they're getting paid while they're going to school. So we've taken, um, we just finished our third stylist through that program. And so it's an awesome, awesome way to really, they learn everything like hands-on and it's, it's really great. And then the rising stylist, we typically, uh, so someone coming recent grad from a beauty school would come in and, you know, we'd have some interviews, talk about what their goals are. And if we, if they, you know, if we, if it was mutual where they, we know we can build upon this relationship, we bring them in. And if um, whatever they want to specify, like whether it's, I want to do everything or I want to do color. I have them do a technical, a couple technicals. I assess where their skill set is there. Talk to them about where they think they need uh, improvement in order to feel comfortable and confident behind the chair. And we develop their path from there. We do have education every other Monday at the salon, whether um, the thing I love about our team is the, it, the another reason for the word collective. We have a core group of people who educate, um, but we, everybody shares. Even stylists, I have two girls that had recently, they've been on the floor maybe a year and six months. They teach all the time for me because they have great skill and things to share. And another young gal who came out of the gate knowing how to bar- do barbering looks without ever having to t- attend school, not even a year on the floor, I'm have her share and teach. So it's really a, I'm not a fan of hierarchical kind of systems with, especially within the salon. And so it's really, how can we help this stylist feel confident, expand their toolbox and get them to a place where they are feeling ready to go on the floor? Nice. So, so rising stylist, if you're in school, you come in and basically you do, so do they bring in their own model or do you tell, do you, so on a live person, do you, yep. and whatever, you know, you just kind of watch it's them. Typically, it's, it's either on a live model or um, mannequin, which is whatever they can. The first time, if they can't find a model, they could do a mannequin. If it's color, I'm typically looking for a dimensional application, whether it's highlights or balayage, a haircut, I'm looking for a one length um, kind of just execution. And I have a couple people within the salon that will check that and just kind of assess, okay, here's, here's where we think their skill set is. And, you know, sometimes, uh, oftentimes like, you know, the stylist, the, the candidate thinks they're way worse than they are. And it's like, wait, you've got some natural skills here. You've got, you've really paid attention in school. Let's bring the confidence to that game. So, um, Okay. And then, so, so let's say uh, rising stylists, they want to know how long it's going to take until they get on the floor. How do you answer that? Yeah. I love that question because, (laughs) um, you know, before our, when our structure was very rigorous and it was a year to a year and a half and it was mannequin work. And, and for me, it was just, um, counterproductive to see because these these aren't the same type of stylists coming out of school as it was 10 years ago as it was 15 years ago um you know they have access to so much education and to practice and to they're they're brave to do their friends so they come in with a lot more technical skill than in previous 
years. So um, the question is for me, I pose back to them, how much, how, how fast do you want to get on the floor? Because uh, the rest of our program is them testing out or doing models. So finding, you know, how aggressive are they in finding models? How aggressive are they in bringing them in? They can bring them in anytime um, they're off, anytime I pay them to bring in a model, anytime to excel their um, skill set. So it's a work, work. We have certain days of those Mondays where I will say, okay, models required for this technique. But throughout the day, if they're off on a Wednesday, they can be bringing in models all the time. And um, there's always someone there to guide them and help them. And that's, so it's a two-way street. And I think giving them that accountability in their um, journey to the floor has been for some eye-opening of, oh, wait, I haven't really brought in any models. I guess I I have to work at this too. So it really kind of is a two-way street. Gotcha. And so I've had people get on the floor in, I think, uh, in short as four months. And then some who, you know, you've had to kind of push you know, they're ready, but they might not be feeling ready. And maybe we're at the 13th, 14th month point and you're like, come on. But the, the thing that is really cool is once I see them, I have two, um, stylists run right now. One is, uh, did the apprenticeship one did school and they excel at blow dries. They love blow drying. So I put them on the floor for blow dries while they're finishing their program. If one of them excels at highlights or I'll, we'll do that. We'll work with their skill set to help, you know, give them the experience with the customers, give them the experience with potential callbacks, timing, everything that can happen. We kind of put them on the floor one day a week to say, okay, how's it going? We check back in four to six weeks. Were there a lot of callbacks? How did you feel? How are you feeling? Do you want to add another day? And so we build their repertoire that way. And are are these stylists, uh, do you have tiered pricing or is everybody charged the same? We do have tiered tiered pricing. So um, they come in at, a, at, at kind of like a basic rate, uh, at starting rates. And then as you go up, it's really, um, it's, you know, as you are built, as you have a waiting list, then I really, that's a different conversation with stylists. Once right. they've kind of um, <clears throat> arrived, for lack of a better word, I hate that word, but arrived, then it's a really conversation. What do you want to charge? Tell me what you want to do behind the chair. How's this going to work for both of us? Let's do it. It's, I truly want to honor the artists. And sometimes it's a conversation. Okay. If you charge that, let's look at the impact that may have on your book. Um, and so we have those conversations and um, really it's, I'm about giving them the power to kind of run a little business behind their chair. Nice. So the customer knows that the person, does the customer know that they're new? So that based yes. on the price or yeah, the title? Yeah. Or? It's, it's with the price. It's okay. with, the, yeah, it's price point and we explain it to them um, a lot. What's really cool is because while they're also um, bringing in models and doing that, they're assisting typically assigned to one person or a couple people. So your guests in all of our blow dries in our salon are complimentary. So every uh, for color. So all of the assistants are blow drying our color guests. So they're building this relationship. So nice. oftentimes I travel a lot. They know Crystal is with me. Well, can Crystal do my hair? And so they already know they're new. They know there's an expectation, but they, they know them. So that model has really worked for us with um, them being a familiar face within the salon and the beautiful thing about um, the reputation we have built that we're so grateful for is they get booked pretty fast. 
And so that one day a week is really important for them to see, can I handle this? Do how, how what? Okay. I can do it in this amount of time. Okay. Let's add, let's totally. start a little bit longer. Um, because once they start running, it's, it's hard to kind of, you know, change the pre-booking. We do a lot of pre-booking. So um, we really want to make sure that they're comfortable. I have some stylists that may not want to take people in between. That's cool. I have stylists that want to book a haircut on every hour and will adjust their people to make sure they're getting one on every hour. And it, it all works. It all works. Nice. Nice. I like this. this uh, I feel like, um, I feel like the one day a week uh, opportunity. Uh, I love that idea. I also like the idea of people being able to uh, perform services that they're strong in. I, I, I feel like, um, that's that I feel like the tiered pricing helps, helps with that, like kind of transitionary process. That's not just from like one day you're an apprentice next day, you're a stylist, but you're charging what all the top stylists in the salon are charging at the same rate. I feel like that gives you a lot more flexibility as a business. Would you say that's right? Yeah, it does. And it gives, um, it gives them a goal, but it also gives the ability for them to be booked and to work out those kinks. And for, um, you know, for the guest knows I could pay $80 for this haircut, or I could pay 125 for this. And maybe I didn't have a good experience at the 80. I'm going to go to the 125 or vice versa. So, and we don't want to ever, um, you know, dictate someone's budget. People have budgets of all kind and we, we are genderless pricing. So the price is the price regardless of uh, gender. We're all inclusive in that way. So it's one price per, you know? Um, and so having those, those tiers gives um, the ability to start them on the floor quicker. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> okay. So I feel like uh, I, that was an important piece of information that didn't come out in the beginning. Uh, so you're gender neutral or gender less um, pricing. Genderless. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that we did that. Um, oh my gosh. I've been passionate about it for a long time before I bought the sal- bought into the salon. Um, and then I think it was last year, even the NBC news came out because it, it caused a little uproar on Arlington now with lots of nice comments. Um, but yeah, you know, for years it's been men's price, women's price, and men have always paid less. Our team takes the same amount of time. They were booking an hour for men and an hour for women. And, you know, we do a hot towel ritual we have, but they, I have stylists who give an amazing consultation to every single guest. doesn't matter if you think they're just going to get a clipper cut. Um, And so for them, it was, you know, when, when we decided as a team to go to, you know, non-gendered pricing, it was, well, do we have to lower our women's haircuts? And I was like, no, we're going to elevate everything to that point we have. And that's another reason we have different price points. Um, is if someone doesn't want to pay that, we can, you know, nice. other options. So it was, nice. it, it was a, it was a scary, you know, my, my business partner and I, he's like, Oh, what do you think? How do you think it's going to impact? And the, we sent out a mass text and we did an Instagram blog. And then on our, um, computer system, we could get texts and we started getting all these texts and I was so nervous to open them. And they were like, thank you. Um, I have one woman say a woman called and said, I moved an hour away, but this is so important to me. I will be coming back. So it was like such 
a um, nod to how I strongly felt about um, people's individualism and assigning gender to a haircut. Who's to say a, a short haircut has to be male or who's to say a long layered cut has to be female. And so, um, yeah, it, it was a good Nice. I love this. I, I, that is another conversation I would love to dig into yeah. with you at another time. Uh, it, so far, two conversations for, <laughs> for a future date. Um, okay, so so I think I get a little pretty good idea. So what if someone's listening and be like, yo, you forgot to, not you, Robert, okay. the host, you forgot to, to you know, follow up with uh, what if I'm a stylist and okay. I'm not new? Yeah. Uh, what is, uh, what does that look like? So same kind of thing. So it's, I had a girl come in 2021, uh, from Cleveland, Ohio and 18 year stylist. She came in, um, we met, really liked her and knew she'd fit in to our team. She was clearly someone who was passionate about what she did team player. And, um, she, she I think she, she brought in a model we had her do a mannequin or a model because she was from out of town. And then um, we put her behind the chair and I I trusted her um, assessment of herself. We started her out at a a mid range so that she can build and then have grown from there. And so, uh, yeah, we are always open to bringing on seasoned stylist. Um, It's yeah. As long as it's, it's a good fit. It's, it's really about, do you want to work together to grow the next generation? Like when we have our associates or assistants, it's, they're not assistants. They are our team members. They're, you know, we all work together and we are wanting them to take them from A to B. And so as long as somebody can join our collective who is willing and sharing their art with somebody else, you know, showing somebody a technique or sharing, then we're down for that. Gotcha. So you're looking for culture fit and, and you said they have to do an audition kind of thing. They bring in a model just to, um, you know, you can see, yeah, we built our business on a, a look, it was a natural looking, um, in, in a 12, like it was very interesting. It's so different than where we came from. Everybody was four weeks here. We have really strived. Um, I, it's not really a lived in look. It's really, um, embracing women's gray, but our guests on average come back every 12 weeks. So for busy working moms in this demographic, they can't be tied to a chair every four weeks. So we have highlighting methods and balayage methods in which we give, gives them that longevity in between and still looks great. And so it's just making sure that, that whomever we bring on, we can are open to coloring or, um, giving the guests that same kind of, um, with their own twist deliver the same nice yeah the other thing i forgot to mention is that our company has been non-tipping for 20 odd years oh wow yeah and then in 20 so i bought in in 2020 and then the pandemic happened and after the pandemic many guests insisted on tipping the, the team and um i was i said that's fine you know there's many of us who don't take the tip which is we're just not used to taking them. But um, so now we're, we're even flexible in that as well. So it's a um, tips are not required or expected. If you want to leave something, you can do so. Um, but we ran a successful business for a very long time without tipping and stylists were very successful. Wow. 20 years. I feel like, uh, yeah. I feel like that narrative on social media isn't that old. That's uh yeah, it was very strange. It was actually, it was 1995 when, or something so older than me. 
when he started that, I believe. And it was a stylist who came up to him and said, you know, I just did this amazing updo and she gave me $2 and I want to throw up. She said, I just, let's raise our price and I don't want tips. And gotcha. so as a team, I think they had 12 people at the time they voted and it was non-tipping. And wow. so we brought that philosophy here, which, you know, in the beginning worked for us too, because a lot of Europeans, a lot of cultures come into the DC area who aren't used to tipping. And so um, it's never expected from our team. Our team, it's, it's, it's just um, here and there people will do it, but the majority is still non-tipping. Cool. Well, I think that's a good segue into um, offerings. Uh, how, uh, so you are a commission based, uh, is that right? Yep. Yep. And then uh, are there, uh, is there like a tiered structure to that or is everyone on the same path or how does that, like, what can a, a, a stylist expect? Yeah, there's opportunities for growth and commission. We also do retail commission. Um, we pay hourly versus commission um, to ensure that someone is, you know, being successful. That's the other reason that we put them on the floor one day a week is to make sure that, um, their income isn't greatly affected. Oh, now you go on this floor for five days a week and you have three clients. I would never do that to somebody. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, really always open. And, and as you, as your prices raise, you know, um, it's opportunity for more income. And so you are, said the, you said the hourly versus commission where are you saying, are, are you saying that so, you get, get so, paid like a guarantee basically? Uh, if like, so, you- yeah. So when somebody first goes on the floor and they have, um, it's like hourly versus commission. These are the amount of hours they worked. Here's their pay rate. What they brought in is their commission higher than that. Then they're going to get paid the commission. Gotcha. For- okay. For so sure. they're guaranteed an income during this yes. process of yes. transitioning on the floor. That's nice yes. to hear. Yes. I'm sure that's going to be popular. Uh, okay. And then, um, so you mentioned the type of person you're looking for, the process of hiring, what you're offering, and uh, what type of uh, things can we look forward to seeing uh, for the future from you and your team? Yeah, you know, we just started a process of partnering. One of the reasons we brought on Color Space is that it's a hair color line that's independent, founded by two hairdressers who were um, really really big impact on my life, Lupe Voss, who has impacted um, the Aveda world, but she really has been a mentor to my team. We've taken classes with her over the years. So we're about bringing on, looking at brands that are by hairdressers, founded by hairdressers, nice. really like keeping this, um, you know, artist to artist versus big conglomerate, big, you know, many, inve- you know, there's boards and stuff. Really, we really want to support um, that type of movement in the industry and we are all about clean product um so those kind of things you'll be seeing more cool yeah i love that nice yeah yeah. okay and then um as we wrap it up would you do you have any um last uh, pieces of advice or uh, anything to say to anybody that's out there looking to um 
to either start a salon or maybe wanting to join a salon, whether it's yours or maybe they're listening and they're not in this area. Do you have any last piece of advice? Maybe let's say two people, uh, the rising stylist who uh, likes, you know, likes what you have to say, but maybe they're going to, maybe they're not in this area and like how to look for a salon and what to look for. And then the second person would be like, they love what you're, what you've done with your business. And uh, they were think they had a dream of opening a salon and, and uh, any piece of advice for those two people? Yeah. So for the rising stylist, it's really, you know, finding a salon that's going to where you're it's going to be a good fit. And I always say, like, go into the salon on a Thursday or a Saturday and just sit in the waiting room for a few minutes or see how you're greeted when you walk in the door. Um, kind of look at the work that's going on and see if it feels like your vibe. It's really important to find a place um, where you feel comfortable and supported to grow. Because in the no matter how amazing we are and how technically sound you are outside of when you come out of school, there's so much growth that happens, whether it's with the client relationship, whether it's technical, there's so much growth that happens within the first five years of your career that find a place that you feel supported. Nice. That would be my, my advice. And then, um, yeah, if, if you're interested in opening a salon, you know, follow your dream and there's ways to make it happen, whether it's, you know, working some kind of deal or, or financing there's going independent or, you know, starting small with two or three chairs. Um, there's, there's a way to achieve everything. Um, and it's staying focused and really, um, it's all about your intention. What is my intention? And if you're putting good things out, man, it's going to come back to you. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is such a great conversation. It was so fun to learn about your business and your brand. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, and uh, for you listening or watching, please uh, give us a rating and follow us. Uh, please you know, like, subscribe, follow. It helps support us. Also, if uh, you want to know more about Therese Snow's salon, uh, Cassell's Salon Collective, then uh, and or if you want to reach out, uh, there will be links in the description below. So uh, please feel free to, to follow those and check out uh, Cassell's and uh, Therese Snow. Thanks so Sound much. Good? All yeah. right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, okay. So that was great. Good. Good. Yeah. That yeah. was, a, I loved, I loved hearing about your, uh, your salon and yeah. I love everything you're saying and the way you talked about your business. Uh, it's, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And, um, these two topics, uh, yeah. the, the one I wrote it down. Oh, the, the gender pricing and then the, the our schools, you know, what's yeah. the situation? I, I feel like a lot of the problems that I have with uh, Gen Z is has more to do with the fact that they don't have the the flexibility to earn an income while they're in school at a salon, like a day school. So like day school students, they might be able to work during the during the day. So that's like yeah good but for us we need someone to close because right. we have like permanent assistants who they take care of the shop but if but they have to come in so early to clean the salon right. they're like really right. overworked so i need so it's like why well, can't hire anybody you know that's in I school know. it's like literally impossible and and i said i asked one student <clears throat> yeah. i was like hey yeah. can you um ask your school if you can maybe work work a, a day at a salon and then do like a double shift at school, do like a night and day school or like what type of flexibility do you have? And um, it sounded like 
there was some flexibility, but it also sounded like this con. I don't know where this idea of I should focus on school first. Yeah, came from. The, yeah, it's it's so aggravating because it's this we we're getting the same messaging. People were coming up to us saying the same thing. I really want to work in a salon, but they said I should focus on school, and I mean. It's it's this almost gatekeeping of where the kids go. Like I don't like that. It's just very. Yeah. It should be flexible and to be in school. Like make, do a part time program where they do four hours a night. Yeah, Thank it takes you. longer. That's yes. why. And we when we had the school in Ohio, I fought and fought, and we we started a part time program, and it was packed because it was young moms or their husbands were firefighters and were home during the day. You know, so it was just. It's important to be. What about what about um what about okay? This might be a big thing, move here, but what about? And I'm not keep you any longer because I know oh, you're, we're you're past fine. Our time. I'm good. No, I'm good. Um, what about the what about like? I mean, I feel like you might have to lobby the uh, local government for this, but what if like you they should be able to get a certain amount of hours at working at a well, school. We like did. I mean, thing. we did in Ohio. They had an internship thing, and I believe it was maybe 150 hours they could get by going to a salon. It differs state by state, and that's a whole other thing. Is why isn't there a universal licensure right. test or whatever? But it differs state by state. Um, it would be beneficial. It it would be absolutely beneficial, and that's what I love about the apprentice program. I mean, these kids can get paid while they're going to school. Yeah, it takes twice as long, but I'll tell you, they come out. They're tight. They know just as much, if not more, than the ones graduating from school. And they're they've got the thing they have more is confidence because they've been working in a salon for two years. They've been talking to clients. They've been seeing interaction. So it, it, it's definitely a food for thought. Yeah, I'm gonna look into this internship at the state level and see like uh, yeah, we can get. I want to get DC to allow. Do you know DC? You have to have 500 hours out of school before you can start an apprenticeship program. So I'm I'm oh, meeting really? with yeah I'm meeting with the, one of the owners of T Spa in DC yeah. and uh, I'm going to ask him about this 500 hour thing. But from what I understand, some another salon owner who looked into it, he said that uh, he couldn't find any school that would give you the 500 hours because it's not 500 hours and then drop out. It's like 150 hours here and study in this category, yeah. 200 hours, and it's like such yeah like gatekeeping it's like yeah. forcing these kids to uh go into debt just to they can start it's earning debt. money it really bothers me <laughs> yeah in, in the cost i mean and we were i mean it's e even gone up now but that that's when we started to back out and be like this isn't fucking fun anymore this is like yeah. you know we loved teaching and we love the industry and let's do hair shows and let's take photo shoots and then it's you didn't meet your compliance or this many students you know are aren't working or it's it's just so much so much yeah yeah so, all right cool well all right. <clears throat> I, oh i'm i want to host i'm putting together an event uh awesome. where we will bring local stylists uh only stylists salon owners various levels and the two topics we i want to talk about are pricing both yeah. like you know the gender pricing uh time pricing and also difficult conversations about pricing with clients and then uh, another another panel to talk about uh changes in cult salon cult, uh the industry culture yeah. technology business models and etc and i think this topic of schools is going to be kind of go under under that yeah. um so yeah i'm looking at like end of january for that uh so okay. i'll 
Let me know. Yeah. January 29th right now is the date. So if you want to set that on your calendar uh, and I'll, we'll have more of that to come, but anyway. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good rest of your evening. Uh Okay. Bye-bye.